Welcome to Sonic Talk number 334, recording today, live Wednesday, the 16th of October, 2013. Uh, and in fact, I seem to have no video. That's good. Right. Let me just fix that because for some reason, uh, I should be here. There we are. 2013. Um, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Um, today uh, is... Wednesday. Sorry, that just threw me. I'm uh, I'm still getting a little bit. I'm, I'm although I'm not supposed to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Just uh, wanted to say. That. Uh, so yes, today's episode is as ever brought to you by Isotope. Want to thank them very much for their continued sponsorship of the show, and uh, we'll have a word from them a bit later on. Uh, you can check out Isotope RX3, which, uh, as we know, is a fabulous piece of software. But now, in the meantime, we're going to go to our guests, and we'll start. I think we'll start with um, Rich Hilton over there in Connecticut, because Rich has actually been uh, just told me that he may not be may not be with us for a little while because you're off on the road again right rich indeed yes we uh resume the tour this weekend and we go to ireland first ah okay so that's uh rich of course is heading on the road with chic uh when he's not on the road with chic he's with nar rogers in the studio making hit records waxing hotties as we like to say uh here in the uk and i believe um that's possibly uh, waxing hottie I think that comes the, back from the day of uh, when they used to, to melt them onto wax cylinders, in case anyone was wondering. But I think it's also got a surf reference as well, hasn't it? It's sort of hot wax on your surfboard, which has nothing to do with making records whatsoever. But anyway, Rich, I want to say thank you for joining us <laughs> in a roundabout way. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> and we'll head over there, back over to this side of the Atlantic with Dave Spears, G4 Software, who's over there in his synth cave in uh, in... In, in central southern England, uh, I went to visit the other day and I had a blast. In fact, I played uh, several of those units, my favourite of which being... Is the Octave Kitten still... Uh, act, sorry, Octave Cat still in pride of place? Ah, you've mounted it, as it I've were. I've just done video on it. Have you? Yeah. How can Full you resist? Talk through, walk through, lots of my name noodling and speech even, which, yeah, quite entertaining, actually. I was... I was when we did these instrument bits, I always try and end it with a track that only uses that particular instrument. All right. This is the first time I shot in um, 1980, 1920. So I've got, at the end of this video, I've got nine layers of 1920 video, which is rendering now, and it's two hours. Is that Final Cut Pro? Uh, only Final Cut Express for me, I'm afraid. Uh, nine layers. Uh, I have to say... What on earth do you need nine layers of video for? Well, because each each time I play a pass, I then ah, uh, record okay. it. I got you, got you. And then go. So and you're doing that kind of like Queen, um, uh, Scarabouche kind of vibe. Excellent. Yeah, except without the kind of kaleidoscope. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I'm disappointed. I, I would expect at least one kaleidoscopic shot with that many layers of video. So we know it's got... it. We should do that in the 70s kind of style. Uh, really I'm cool. sure there must be a plug-in for that. Anyway, Dave Spears, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we're now heading over. We're zooming uh, probably 150 miles or so straight to Gaz Williams by the mass magic of the internet interwebs. Gaz Williams, who I've, I'm reliably informed I've got your... I've got your lower third wrong. It's now gazwilliams.me. So if you look at the top part and just add .me to that, then that's where you need to be looking. Gaz Williams, of course, professional bass player, music technologist, man about town, and, um, well, how are you, Gaz? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty good. I'm speaking to you on a little headset mic today. I just thought that might be fun. Uh, um, cool my band rocking. My band, Rocket Goldstar, the three of us, uh, oops, this side, <laughs> we all used to use these back, or oh, I don't know, sort of 15, 13 years ago or something, uh, three-piece band, and we traipsed on stage all wearing headset mics, and we sort of did it just because we knew it upset people, and <laughs> it really, it really upset people, you know, Why? people just Why did... did... I don't know. They just thought it was like boy band stuff. But we were playing like really weird, twisted music and doing sort of kind of odd things with our vocals. So, um, but yeah, but uh, it, Good for it, you. the problem with pushing yeah, the envelope, the problem, 
the drummer though, he used to have like sort of sinus problems and he used to sort of make this really weird sort of lot of noises, so we say. And uh and of course we'd be doing big gigs and it'd just be this like background of sort of weird snoring snort sort of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't realise quite how loud it was until I was out front once and I was thinking and I asked, and they said, yeah, that happens all the way through all the gigs. So we, we stopped using them. But uh, I did get out of a cupboard the other day, and I thought, ah, I still got them. You still got it, Gaz. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a great story. Starting as you mean to go on, I'd say. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. That's great. Well, I've got, uh, I've got a treat for you, first of all. I'm just going to play this. But if you are perhaps uh, of a nervous disposition or have a, a, a real averse... Um, reaction to bubblegum pop then perhaps you oh. should close your eyes now here it comes I better talk over this. This is uh, Alison. This is bizarre, actually. This is the, 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 the this is the latest um, sort of viral video about Chinese food. I'm going to stop there because they'll probably bust me. Uh, uh, that is uh, yeah. Alison Gold, bizarrely. Just one one more sort of extension away from a complete antithesis of what she's what she's doing there. Uh, pleasant enough young girl, um, sort of mastermind of a chap called Patrice. Now, if I get this right, he's called. Um, Oh, I had it right. Patrice Wilson, who was also um, basically responsible for the Rebecca Black Friday and all the other stuff. And, you know, already it's got four or five million hits. In fact, I'm sure, Dave, when you sent me the link to this, because I'm going to basically call you out <laughs> as, the, as the person who came up with it, it only had like 700,000. So I'm thinking that must have happened in the next, in the last couple of days. Um, That's me hitting refresh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love pop. I just thought it would appeal to your pop sensibility. I, yeah, I mean, In fact, I, I'm amazed that it made it this far onto the show. I, only, I said to Chris, I'm just going to send this to uh, Nick for a laugh just to see if it gets anywhere. And it did. So I win. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll... Lead topic. I'm t- yeah, but, well, it does lead to some interesting questions and, and perhaps hopefully some interesting discussion. But, I mean, first of all, I mean, this guy, obviously, you know, he, he basically just took it and, and I don't know quite, I don't know how you get that much kind of stuff. They've shot a video. He's inexplicably dressed as a panda. In fact, there's uh, an article here on uh, Metro, um, which is the uh, UK's kind of free paper that you get with uh, when you're on the the um, tube station, the tube in London. And uh, it's just about his kind of pop genius. But I just thought it was funny. And then I suddenly realised, um, you know, I mean, people are obviously going to hate this. It, you know, in terms of artistic merit, it might not float your boat. And it, and it must admit, it even makes my lip curl a little bit. But the concept is, you know, this massively popular. I think you're, you, you described it, Rich, as a kind of... Um, have we just reached the sort of nadir of what is what is achievable with pop? Could it get any cheesier? I think was what I you described were just that way. Sorry, this particular. No, sorry, described... Dave, Dave, not you, Dave. Oh, well, uh, yeah, no, you... I said basically the internet has peaked. You think so? <laughs> I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm I'm pretty sure all those cats playing pianos will disagree with you, and there'll probably be a hit there. <laughs> but I mean. I, the one thing I did think about this, when I first heard it, I was really impressed with the bottom end. Nicely kind of mastered, I must say. But uh, yeah, I mean, very, very cheesy. Obviously go for the, well, I mean, I can only imagine go for the sort of Chinese vote, uh, perhaps, which obviously could y- lead to billions of views. Uh, lots of people refreshing that. Um, but it, it, it generated a kind of uh, uh, several questions for me. Um, I mean, first of all, is anybody really offended by that kind of cheesy pop? I mean, we all work in the music business. I mean, we we have. I'm sure we have artistic integrity in our own way. But I mean, you know, uh, one has. To... I'm offended by some of the verse lyrics. It's just you know the scanning of it, and I'm offended on that level of pop with it as well. Right. If you're going to do pop, then do it properly, you know. So that that's what that's what I'm saying. You I, know, pop music. <laughs> I'm, pop music, you know, you can't just say, oh, it's pop, and then just write really, really shoddy lyrics that don't scan very well. So I think that's uh, a fair comment. A fair comment, Gaz. A fair comment. <laughs> I know, Rich. Uh, you know, you've worked on, I guess, what could be called pop, or certainly popular popular music. Um, what? Once in a while, you know, I've heard. Am I wrong? Um, does, do you kind of... How do you feel I about I made a record it? with Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, of course. Man. Was it an entire I, album? No, and uh, it was at least one, maybe two songs. I think it was two songs. There was a sensitive love ballad called Come to Butthead. 
I remember that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> Genius. This is true. And I and I have the freaking platinum album over there to prove it. Wow. <laughs> now, that is something that is going to have some pop memorabilia. I, mean, I don't mean to brag about platinum albums. They're just bowling trophies to me. But the fact is I got one from Beavis and Butthead. Nice. Um, <laughs> wow, that is impressive. I, I mean, this leads me to my next question, because obviously, you know, when perhaps when we all start out, we've got these kind of ideas of how our music is and how it's going to be perceived and all of those things. And I, you know, for instance, you know, when I was doing uh, Tom's Diner, uh, I thought it was like a really hardcore Bristol sort of sound, like underground thing, and then it and then it was just a massive pop record, and it it kind of made me reevaluate my um my role in life musically. And <laughs> but having said that, I, I'm not I'm not ashamed of it, and I enjoy working on it. But it it got me more of the sort of the idea of you know, have you done stuff? What happens if the thing that you do um, that you find the least satisfying or the least tasteful or the most unpleasant to work on or the cheesiest is the most successful is there a kind of is there any kind of uh, ba- battle that has to be has to be won in the intellect yeah with that you're going to haggle over the price of the yacht at the boat dealership <laughs> that's pretty, fair enough be- and especially if you catch on with a food oriented novelty tune <laughs> i'm serious yeah, yeah. you can go back to the history of um, novelty records and look at songs about food and i've been thinking through this oh. since i watched this video this morning and there's a bunch of them um and sometimes they really through. do catch on and every time you go to do something as much as you might hate that song it comes to mind Right, it's kind of like branded, I suppose. It's like, uh, I, I see what you mean. Rich, I'm, I'm going to have to quiz you on uh, some other food novelty records. You got um, any, you well, got any for me? Song, there was a song about onions in the 60s. Um, green onions? No, well, there was green onions, but, but that, that had no vocal. This thing actually had a vocal. It went onions, onions, la, 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 onions, onions, la, 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 onions, onions, la, la, la. Ooh, I like onions. And it was actually also used subsequently in a commercial for a f- snack product called Onions, where they re-sang the song with the words onions in it. Uh, okay. And that's one example. Um, sugar, sugar is arguably a food song, but it was yeah. the Archie's. It's Cherry sort of pie. in this genre. Lollipop. Uh, it doesn't actually... Uh, advocate any particular single brand of food. It, it could be anything, of, couldn't it? Sort of your anti-diabetic campaign, I suppose. Uh, you know, your your pro-diabetes campaign or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but there have been others. There, there's not a ton of them that weren't related directly to advertising, but there have been some. Um, Cheeseburger in Paradise by um, Jimmy Buffett uh, not only mentions cheeseburgers and eating them in paradise, but also refers to Heinz 57 sauce, which is a popular product here in the United States that wow. you put on burgers. And, and yeah, um, tomato ketchup, I believe, Heinz 57. And I, I'm betting that the chat room can come up with more. But yeah. <laughs> chefs, you're not wrong. Chocolate balls? Yeah, sorry. that's true. Hold on, that's um, that too. You know, but it's just uh, novelty records in general and ones specific to food are uh, of interest to me. And I think this is actually kind of a cute and smart thing to do. And I don't object to it. No, he's a very smart guy. I I think my point was wasn't really necessarily, oh, look at this, how cheesy it is. Let's all laugh at it. It's just the kind of. The, the the genius of the, the the almost evil pop genius of the guy you know he's almost like Frank Farron but uh, but for fast food. Oh, well, all that said, I think the record could have been better. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, just, it works better for me as an idea and than a concept than it does as a record. But it's not a terrible record as those things go. No, I suppose not. I suppose not. Um, sorry, that was that was a brilliant uh, afterthought there. Almost rich, fantastic. Um, I know, Dave, you. You're the one who brought it to brought it to mind. Say some more about it. Uh, well, actually, we found another one. It's by somebody called Nicole Westbrook, and it's called It's Thanksgiving, and that has forty million six hundred forty-three thousand views. Wow! But only two hundred fifty-seven thousand thumbs down, which is quite strange. Oh, and only thirty-five thousand thumbs up. Oh well, that's, anyway, uh, yeah, that's same guy. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, just another person. Yeah, no, uh, quite, yeah, I have nothing more to say about any of this. I, know, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many, how much revenue you get from 14 million um, YouTube views. That's an Four interesting cents. thought. I think because... Five cents? No, no, it's, it's considerable. Uh, it would be considerable. I, I mean, I can just think from ours, it works out at about six bucks CPM. Something like that, it can do. 
maybe it's that, got maybe that at the beginning of it. Yeah, something like that. I know, Gaz. You've said all there is to say, I presume. But I mean, the, but the thing is, you know, what about the idea that when you do work on something that is, you know, you, it, you think, oh, this is ghastly and beneath me, and it's it becomes very successful. Is there a kind of, you know, only has to happen once, I guess, and then you perhaps you you kind of think about when you're working on stuff that you think maybe think that way. You recognise perhaps yeah. the, hit, the hit aspect of it more than the the kind of oh my god, that's so cheesy. I mean, I've made lots of cheesy records. I've got I've got some examples. Well, for me, making money, I suppose, would be quite cool if it enabled me to be able to do cool things, you know, which that whenever I've done anything commercial, it's always been to to fund the uncommercial stuff. So I suppose in that respect, it's, you know, it would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? You know, just uh, uh, make a load of money off something and then be able to pay for something really cool. But I suppose it's, your, it's about your credibility, though, isn't it? Do you sell your credibility down the line? Uh, oh, that's, that's, that is a different subject because um, some people say, and I remember this at the time, you know, having any form of success is seen as a sellout. And it's like, well, hold on, this is what I want to do for a living. If there's no living part to it, then, then there's no point, <laughs> is there? I mean... So, yeah, that very much when, when we were coming through, the Bristol kind of crew is like all these kind of very cool people who were, you know, sticking by the, the roots of whatever it was they were sticking by. And then, you know, I, I didn't really care. It's like, well, I've, you know, I, I, I want to make a living out of it. And that's that's the kind of way it goes. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm probably, I I like pop music. I enjoy the kind of the turnover of it and the excitement of it and what have you, or I have done. I'm probably a bit old for that sort of thing these days. But, but yeah, I think it's important to, that you need to make a living, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely yeah. yeah i know a guy who's yeah. done really well out of the whole j-pop thing particularly a career and stuff where that's you know that's just massive and for years he was just coining it in on this whole you know super cheesy hit single thing and i mean blimey he ended up building himself an incredibly mega studio out of, of the of the rewards from that so yeah yeah, and anyway, what somebody, what you think might be really cool, somebody else is going to think is cheesy and whatnot and whatnot. Oh yeah, I, I do I have to think this is incredibly cheesy and quite ghastly. <laughs> On the other hand, when you've got kids and you see them kind of get really get into a kind of cheesy pop song and stuff like that, everything takes on a sort of slightly different meaning, and yeah. you stop overanalyzing and I suppose so, thinking, yeah. "Oh, that's uncool and whatnot." You just kind of go, "Okay, yeah, yeah, it's pop culture music. That's what it is." Yeah, I mean, as as you had yeah. in the chat room saying, you know, in the fifties there were um, awful pop bands as well. Absolutely, there were. Uh, and I, yes, I know I've contributed my my uh, my fair share. I think um, the one I probably. I was thinking the the one I was probably least proud of. Um, there's a band in the US called Expose who were a kind of one of the early, girly kind of 80s pop bands. And uh, when we were signed to Arista, I think it was one of the one of the conditions, shall we say, was that we produced one of our tracks to be for them. And uh, it didn't work out so well. And we spent like a week in uh, a New York studio with Go Hatoda, who's uh, Madonna's engineer. Brilliant guy. Fantastic. We were very inexperienced and we weren't really used to dealing with um, a hands-on label like Arista. And I remember we just kept doing the, We'd send a demo. They wanted to hear demo mixes at the end of every day. So we send a demo and they sort of make some comments and then we'd have to tweak it. And then it just went on and on and on. It was like, well, look, why don't And then... We sort of had enough and we were just getting in the lift to go. I may have told this story before. We were just getting in the lift to leave, you know, to go and get some supper because it was just like, oh, this is doing our heads in. And uh, as we were going, the guy who was the A&R guy came into the lift and was going, yeah, so I was just thinking that, you know, if you... And, I, and in the end, I just said, look, why don't you mix the record? I mean, you know what you want. I don't know what you mean. So why don't you just do it? And... Um, uh, I don't think that actually happened, but it seemed like such a good idea. It was like the obvious answer. You know, there's the guy. Here's this guy who really knows what he's doing. We've done all the musical parts. Why don't you do it? Um, but anyway, I thought I was being heroic and kind of, you know, putting one in for the boys and all that, but it, it didn't work out in the end anyway. But but uh, but we took their money, you know, so I suppose I can't really complain too much. Um, I did have a video to play, but I'm not going to do that now because it feels... Uh, good story. Because it didn't make it. Um so next up ebay auctions yeah there's a few here on there wow this was a good one um this is the uh <laughs> the d and ricky casio xwg1 keyboard uh, i think i can probably zoom that in a bit oh no i need to do it like that 
probably. That's had a paint job. D and Ricky, I believe, are the uh, the guys who did G-Shock and various other things for Casio. And this thing was, they made two of them. And Casio did a competition where they gave them away on their Facebook page. And uh, obviously the person who got this um, perhaps wasn't in it for the glory and is now put it on eBay for 20 grand, <laughs> which is a buy it now price. What happens if I click that? Shall I hit that? What happens? Uh, no, I'm not going to review Commit to Buy. Oh, look at that. That was a thrill. That gives me a thrill. I once did live buy something on eBay at your behest, Dave Spears, but it ain't going to be this. <laughs> Are you tempted? <laughs> no. No, I was shocked. I just kind of did it, you know. I was on my phone late at night and just kind of synthesised at eBay. And I always really quite like just going, highest price first, just to kind of see what I can't afford. Because there's a couple of mad mode modules that have been around for a little while. And uh, they're like sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000. Drum much, weirdly enough. And I keep waiting for it to come down to a slightly more affordable $299 and then I might jump but um, no and I saw this and was just like you what and I kind of had to I thought it was some kind of practical joke and then uh, once I found out what it was I said to Chris can we have one each <laughs> and uh, I put it on my Facebook and actually somebody said if you look really closely at the guy who's selling it his name his uh, you know eBay name looks like Greed uh, I can, uh, let me just, I, I can get that. that. Let me see if I can get that. That's Gree4552. There you go. I'm wondering whether or not he even, uh, he maybe isn't the original recipient of the uh, giveaway. And he's he's maybe picked it up and is thinks it's worth 20 grand. I, I, I can't imagine what, I mean, there's no end date on this. I can't imagine why anybody would spend 20 grand. I mean, I have no idea about the world of design. These guys might be massively famous. Um, maybe Rich, you'll know that because uh, you you live over there, <laughs> and it's an eBay eBay dot com auction. Make any sense to you? What this Casio thing? Yeah. No. Ah, good. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? No, that's fine. Um, although I, I have to say, I went back because I was I I'm pasted an, I made an article out of it and stuck a link to the review of the XWG one, which I did um, last year, and. Uh, it sounded quite good, actually. I was really expecting it to be, you know, come back at it. But I do remember it being quite complicated to use. And I didn't get to review the Groove, groove Station. I think you can buy it in the UK for about 299 in case you want to save, you know, twelve or $13,000 um, on that. Looks nice, though, doesn't it, Gaz? Yeah, well, I, yeah, it looks good. But, I mean... It's interesting, the whole thing with the Casio thing, when it was announced at the NAMM show, I think it was, uh, there was a lot of real kind of um, happiness that uh, Casio, Casio were coming sense, back. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it was a lot of good, you know, goodwill shown towards them. But then I've never seen one out and about at all. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has, you know, so I don't know if... No, they're not I, really, I mean, they're not really that kind of keyboard. They're more like your home... Just in, yeah, home keyboard. Yeah, it's they are a bit. between a home keyboard. Yeah, okay. Uh, the new one though, the, the the piano is amazing. It's really good. Right, and you think that could be used as a live as a live keyboard? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a I can't forget what it's called. I think it's the P one, uh, and it's uh, mm-hmm. eighty eight keys. Uh, it's got quite interesting. It's it's got the same synthesizer engine as the uh, Casio uh, G one, I believe. Uh, but 128 voices, massive layering potential, four zones, uh, mm-hmm. control, aftertouch. Uh, it's got a recorder in it. It's got absolutely tons of features. It's quite astonishing. And it's also got a... Now, if I remember correctly, it, there's something... It's got a way to um, to plug an iPad or something in so that you can con- connect to it via MIDI. So that's right. So you can basically put... You can play like an iPad-based synth and return the audio back into it. It's just got... It, it is really quite... Mm. And it sounded pretty good, but, um, but it hasn't made it yet um, into the... Well, but do you think that, like, a, you know, would musicians, would they turn their noses up at using a Casio keyboard, you know, and that sort of thing? Do you think there there is a prejudice against Casio a little bit amongst sort of uh, the more sort of pro uh, players? Uh, perhaps just because they've been doing a range of keyboards and home keyboards for, for a long time, but they're really big. I mean, and Rich, I know that Casio pianos are quite well thought of. I mean... And and certainly the new Privia, uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the exact model of it. It, it has been really, it was really well received at NAMM. It just hasn't arrived yet. You kind of, you use Roland stuff though, right? 
Uh, on stage, I use Roland stuff. Yes. Have you um, tried that Casio? Because um, you know, do you know? I haven't. I haven't played any of these things. I do know that their uh, Previa piano line has been well liked as far as bang for the buck and overall yeah. rotability and sound. And guys who gig local more than I do. Uh, like them because of the weight, the cost, the sound, you know, the overall balance of features in the product uh, seem to work for them. Yeah. I the, can't say I've used this stuff much, by the way. The new Privia uh, has 88 weighted keys and aftertouch, which is a pretty, and it's like under a thousand bucks. I think it's, I think it's like, I, I forget. I'll, have, I'll see if I can find it um, in a second. Uh, let's see, was it Casio Privia? Um, Privia, I think it's X1 or P1. Has it got anything going on with the synth uh, with the piano engine other than just simple kind of? Uh, yeah, there's a stuff. whole there's a whole bunch of electromechanical stuff. It's got a really quite a, f a fully featured um, uh, XWP one. Let's see, I'm probably just see if I can find it here. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I can't <laughs> see it at the moment. Um, the piano. Might what, not, what's the question though? Not, it says synthesizer, step sequencer, drawbar, organ, solo synth, hex layer, arpeggiator, and phrase sequencer controls, and uh, seems like they're making it out to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, Mike Martin was kind of—I mean, Mike did a great demo for us at uh, NAM, and uh, it did sound pretty good actually. It's just got a lot of polyphony, and it can be used as a master keyboard as well quite easily. And mm. there's, th there's lots of neat features on it. Anyway, I won't extol the virtue. Certainly probably worth more than uh, than perhaps a, uh, the uh, G1 with, um, with that paint job on it, <laughs> shall <laughs> we say. And right, I think it's time for an ad, because uh, as we're talking, uh, talking about such commercial matters, here it comes. Assuming it'll play. I've got to press the button right. Here we go. Of course, uh, sponsorship of Sonic Talk is very much welcomed by Isotope. Isotope, uh, of course, make the RX3 sound um, restoring suite. RX3 has just come out. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of new features. So you've got the -reverber reverberator, which uh, is great for creative use, uh, as well as reducing the ambience around the sound, which is kind of like magic when you hear it. You can also increase it, which gives you the ability to sort of enhance the space. Very good for dialogue and sort of bringing things into focus and also creative uses. There's a dialogue denoiser. Uh, there's also um, a whole new load of workflow designs. You've got multiple documents that you can open, tabbed browsing effectively, uh, multiple undo. You can save in RX format, which allows you to then go back and do uh, multiple undos over time. So you can open a file, you know, really some really clever stuff. Fixes many audio problems, uh, such as with you've got D clip, D click and even patch specific audio um, with the spectral repair and also it has the um, spectral analysis and the, the imaging tools which we've seen in um, isotope iris and other applications so if you want to check it out please go and take a look at if i press the button again isotope.com forward slash rx get a free 10 day trial uh, from that so thank you very much to isotope for their continued sponsor of the show uh, very much appreciate it right uh oh yes this was another one that you sent dave from uh, this is this is from um now let me see if i can find it this is from a chap called Arius Blaze. Now, if I press the right button, I think it's this one. This is something called an impossible box. And it's a very sort of enigmatic kind of uh, presentation. Nice sepia. This is something that's been actually built. Uh, he calls it more of a sort of art installation or a piece of art. Looks like it's based around some uh, a sample engine with a bunch of... Uh, of clock modules and granular business going on, all sorts of kind of uh, sample pointers and what have you. Looks fantastic. Uh, it was actually on eBay, but it didn't meet the. Um, unfortunately, it didn't meet the reserve. I think the reserve was something like a million bucks. Here it is. So it only reached thirty nine thousand one hundred. And uh, Dave, you said, uh, "Oh, I'll take two. What was it that attracted you to it? Because as far as I could tell, that whole piece was just sample cut up and a bit of droning. There. Sorry. Wow, that was amazing! Absolutely amazing. Again, that was another thing that I just posted to eBay. 
and it came up as the kind of highest one and I was like what is this I don't know anything about this I was quite intrigued actually because I loved some of the um, the actual control surface interfaces as it were that looked like little uh, like piano key things <laughs> and then other weird touchpad things and stuff like that all look fairly Heath Robinson but it's built, I didn't built, even realise it was a reserve. It's built by, uh, let me see, by this chap called Arius Blaze. I've got a picture of it here. Um, it's on Folk Tech. If I'm, here's some more close-ups. Oh, look, it's going to load. There we are. Yeah, yeah that, that keyboard doesn't look like it's worth a million to me, but, yeah, what do I know? Oh, yeah, I haven't looked up at these. These are very interesting. It's almost steampunk, isn't it? Those sort of brass business, all that brassness. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's, yeah, I see, oh, I'm seeing now. I'm seeing that that's starting to increase cool. in value. It looks a bit like uh, it might be something off the set of a Doctor Who film. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, something million, like. not sure about that. But, uh, yeah, interesting fellow, uh, Arius Blaze. He's kind of created this enigmatic persona for himself, can describe himself as a, as a kind of all-round <laughs> artist. They said that the that the pro, uh, that the proceeds from the sale was going to a, his next film, though, didn't it? So I uh, thought that was interesting. Yes, and there's a Kickstart thing actually, which I also found. Uh, this is Permeation, a film by Arius Blaze. Uh, he raised fifteen thousand quid uh, dollars, uh, and that closed down only four days ago, I think. Yeah, on the twelfth. So he raised the money and. You know, that's it. But he, he seems to be very, very good at talking up his art, which is the sign of uh, what usually happens in certainly in Brit in Britain when you get these kind of conceptual artists uh, who, are, who some may say, you know, I can make a pile of bricks and all of that sort of business. But what they're very, very good at is talking it up. And it seems like he's obviously very good at it as well. But, but the, the fact that he can so- make modular is astonishing. Sorry, Gas. Yeah. Well, it looked like when you were scrolling it up, it looked like, the name was Anus Blaze. So when you were saying he was good, good at giving it the talk, you know, I was thinking, wow. He'd have to. Yeah. He's, he's, he's fought his entire life after, over prejudice for, over his name. No, that's not right. It's just, I, I'm guessing it's a made-up arti- artist name. But uh, interesting idea. I, I, it's, not something, it's not something that happens so much in the States, the kind of conceptual art thing. So that I'm aware of anyway. Perhaps it doesn't, doesn't come into focus. Um, looks kind of fun. Uh, so I could see you could probably fit that in, you know, if you raised it into the ceiling, perhaps. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd like it. It sounded nice. I think it did, but I think that was just down to the samples that were put in it, by the from what I could tell. But I don't know. Just ruined it all, not you? No, I'm sure. Is I that the million dollar reserve? That's just. That's but that's completely... it's very KLF, isn't it? It's that kind of like let's make a million dollars, and then everybody go, "What? You must be crazy!" And then all look at it. But I mean, as uh, as uh, uh, oh, I didn't. I missed it. Something went past in the chat room. I'll give it props. Uh, um, <laughs> whoops, Anus Blaze has got to be the catchphrase. That's not what I was actually referring to, but that's very good show title right there. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, um, oh, I should have taken the thirty nine thousand basically and be, been happy with it. But um, I was amazed because it was like what was it? Something like fifty odd bids and stuff. Because I was uh, looking at it, oh, you know, how come it's got that? Because I don't, like I say, I know nothing about any of this folk tech stuff. So fifty five bids. Let's see if we recognise any of those people there. That's amazing. I oh, know they're yeah. all their identities are all hidden. Yeah. I imagine the the, the cojones it would take to kind of go. You know what? Okay, thirty nine thousand, and that's my maximum bid. I'm going to put it in. I'm going to put it in. And then your wife walks in the room. Nothing, darling. I'm not up to anything. Nothing. Nothing. That's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I, well, I don't think I'd I have... know somebody who owned a car that he was told explicitly not, implicitly not to buy by his other half. I believe Andy Shilito is in the chat room, and he and he was the poor bugger who bought this car for somebody else, a musician. And the guy then and immediately bought it. He he realised that he'd made a terrible mistake, and his wife was going to kill him, or his other half was going to kill him. So they had to reverse the transaction. Wow! And it caused immeasurable amount of grief for. Our- I, I can't imagine. I mean, that's 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 taking tour managing to a, the nth degree, isn't it? That's life management. That's that's yeah. just something completely different, right? <laughs> and I believe this particular guy needs a lot of life management. The names are the names are protected. To, <laughs> names are, are hidden to serve the. I don't know, Rich. Do you think you'd have the nerve to to drop thirty nine k, even if you didn't get the winning bid on a, on a on an eBay item? I nearly did twenty then. You know, just I was one click away. 
Depends on what it is. I suppose so. Probably not. No, I suppose. Certainly nothing that I didn't need. I think a million bucks without a manual and nobody who knows how to fix it apart from the bloke who built it would be a kind of risky risky prospect, perhaps. Yeah, that's... uh, that's, Hey, let's see if I can get anybody to pay this. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, as I said, conceptual art. Guys, I can see there's a space back there that would just have... It would look lovely with a modular in it of some kind, especially that one, perhaps. Uh, yes, uh, it, is, it is the thing that is in the back of my mind, a modular, you know, a, a build, building one, starting small. And uh, I think I might have mentioned before, you know, that the, the iPad synth modular has kind of really actually started to get me more interested in it because, you know, and it's for me, it's less about, like, the oscillators and the LFOs and stuff as as much as it is the kind of the multis and just the, um, you know, the, the very boring things just because it's kind of, I'm getting a new insight into how you route things around, really. So that, uh, I, I think before I would, I've been a bit scared of them because of that side of it, you know. So, so that app's actually... Interesting good, idea. Yeah. So, what was the name of that app again? Because we, I looked. It's at called it. Modular. Um, just by, called Modular. It, yeah, it's just called Modular. Uh, is it by? Uh, it's by the same people who make a, 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 a plugin called Rhythm. A Pulse Code? Are they? Yeah, they think they call Pulse Code. Sure, I do have it, but I don't, it's not to hand at the moment. Mm. But just yeah, but the whole idea of a modular for me has always been like a kind of uh, like it's a quite a glamorous thing. When I, I mean, when I saw Dave's dot com modular, it's amazing. You know, you see them and they are they just you, you just get excited being in the presence of them. You know, let alone actually getting to to play with them. So I am I am I am being drawn into it. But as I say, the uh, that app is actually is is actually. Strangely, it's, make, it's giving you modular. modular it's giving you modular. To learn, though, is... Sorry, Dave. It's a really brilliant way to learn. I think you know that looking at that app when Gal showed it to me, it's like, oh, actually, okay. So if you grasp the concepts of this is a source and this is a destination, it's the flow. Yeah, I think that's yeah. true. It, it's ultimately very unsatisfying because of the fact that you're scrolling around a screen the whole time trying to go. All right, I want to put that over there. And then you bring come down, and it's like, uh, where's yeah? That's the only thing I didn't like about it myself. Sure. The thing is, with a real modular, all you make it sound like is a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, yeah. (laughs) Ah, well, anyway, so who is Arius Blaze? I think if I put Anus Blaze as a show title, I might get into a bit of trouble, and I don't want to sort of belittle this guy's work, so I think he's done it very effectively. But uh, who is Arius Blaze might be another show title that's possible. (laughs) Do you want to hear one more story? This is slightly related to buying things that are ludicrously expensive, and it relates to the same person who bought the car, and I'm not going to give the name away, but this person bought a helicopter and didn't tell his other half, and I'd... And we're at a party, and this friend goes up to this person in front of his wife and goes, I hear you bought a helicopter. (laughs) Oh, God. The guy just started sweating and was going red, and his wife just, or his other half, just went, you did what? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) So, yeah, I uh, put my foot in it again. In fact, somebody said, would you like some more alcohol to wash your foot down with? There you go. Oh, I'm, I'm getting a bit worried now. That's a great story. But uh, in the chat room, Ed, someone calling themselves Ed, has said, thank you, Nick. I wonder if that means that they are, in fact, Arius Blaze. I, I'm Arius Blaze and so is my wife. That's a good one. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> yes. The immortal words of, uh, of um, everybody in that film. Ah, Fender Road story, eh? Now, that's a good one. Let's see. I think I've got a video for that. I probably shouldn't play all of it, although I have... Uh, this is a promotional activity, so I think I'm, I'm entitled to play this. This is uh, Herbie Hancock, uh, Down the Road's The Fender Road Story, which is uh, uh, basically... More and more... I'll play a little bit. ...guard was, was uh, kind of prodding me. And Actually, I won't play anymore because that's not displaying the uh, qualities of the... But I downloaded this. Uh, it, in fact, it's brilliant. It's basically called down the roads it's the fender road story here it is there's the website call it um fender roads story which is actually quite difficult to type because it's got two r's next to each other and two s's so you've got to make sure you print uh it's it's a uh, uh, you could buy it as an mp4 which is i recommend it's only 8.95 i downloaded it yesterday and i'll be watching it it's absolutely brilliant and really well made and it's got all these kind of brilliant musicians in it talking about the fender roads and i didn't realize quite how this all started um 
with um, Harry. Ah, oh, Harry. Is it Harry Rhodes? I'm sorry. I've completely. I only watched a little bit of it. But the beginning was really interesting. How he started off by making these tiny little pianos, um, so that um, returning servicemen would, when they were recuperating, could have a piano at their bedside and play pianos and have something to learn. And it started out like that. And it was just absolutely the story is fascinating. And it just kind of goes all the way uh, through, and then eventually, you know, to the partnership with Fender, and then when Fender were bought by CBS, uh, and and then you know the engineering brains got on it and started making it's just absolutely brilliant but the thing that struck me most was just how influential this one instrument has been you know almost as much as a synthesizer if not more because of the transition from the kind of old school 50s jazz into this kind of new fusion sort of area it's just really really interesting the way that it's all come together i know i know that both probably rich and um and dave have a, a soft spot for this i know dave because you're a big fan of kind of probably most of the people in this film i recommend you get it if you don't if you haven't already uh no i didn't realize it was available as an mp4 in fact i'm going to get that immediately we finish uh brilliant i'm just going to actually to hear the the whole story uh firsthand from harold Rhodes. harold Rhodes. yes sorry researching a book uh and it was amazing i think some of the times came from like b17s and stuff like that which is just brilliant but i mean talk about yeah an influential piece of kit it's i don't have a Rhodes. Uh, I've had one in the past, which was just battered beyond belief. It's done a lot of mileage, uh, but I kind of want one again now. Yeah, the sound of it. I, I do mean... love the world so For me, there was this moment though where the, the Rhodes got, and I think it was probably the DX7 was responsible for this. For mm. this, you know, that kind of Doogie Howser, super sheeny, glossy. There was also a thing called a Leeds Rhodes, which there were very few made of, and people like Al Jarreau had one and uh, various other kind of stars of the 80s and I think uh, Stevie Wonder had one and again it was like super hyped it was more than the Dino My Roads thing um, and, it was, and it was too glossy a real Rhodes has got a real honk when you whack that note hard as I'm sure Rich will attest and, and they're not these beautifully glossy and sheeny instruments, although they can sound like that. But I prefer them when they're, you know, a little bit more rough and ready. I, what I really liked about it is the, the suitcase one where you have that, that massive cabinet underneath it that just shifted all the air. And one of the points in it that was really interesting is that uh, the, um, both uh, Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea were saying is when they're in the Miles Davis band, because he sort of made them play the roads, they said they could finally turn it up and get louder than the drummer, um, which was fascinating. I don't know, Rich, I'm guessing, you know, you, you must have to play the roads or play the roads. Do you have a roads at your disposal at much, or do you kind of wish you did? There's one in the basement, as ah. a matter of fact. What, a what 73 is it? key stage piano from the 70s that, believe it or not, we were given. Wow! Not too long ago. I really like the look of the uh, silver top one. There's the the uh, la- is it, uh, the stationary three is a black. Is it one with the suitcase speaker as well, or is it just the the actual- no stage piano was uh, the other model that had the legs. Ah, okay. And didn't have the speaker. And that was the st- it was called the stage piano. Right. And okay. the one with the speaker was called the suitcase piano. Right. I guess the the, the theory being <laughs> yeah, right. that it was somehow more desirable to move that thing. <laughs> yeah, that sort of 800-pound suitcase, yeah. I have memories of carrying Fender Rhodes's 150 meters through two and a half feet of snow at four in the morning after gigs. Oh, wow. Um, I have, I've been playing Fender Rhodes for, and known about Fender Rhodes for pretty much as long as there's been a Fender Rhodes. Um, and it took a while, it took a minute, I'd say, to get used to the difference between playing it and playing a piano, but I took to it very quickly and I really love it and think it's wonderful and one of the most emulated instruments there is. It's as very, much as any classical instrument. It's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, there's, there's also another line. That, I mean, there's so many quotes in this. It's a really brilliantly made piece of uh, um, um, te- sort of television, you know, documentary as well. It's, it's high, very high production values. Uh, it's a Hal Leonard um, production, I believe. You can get it from everywhere else, uh, everywhere you can think of, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com. But there's uh, a, a bit where it says, you know, the thing about the original piano, uh, uh, an acoustic piano is that it, 
it's not a solo it's a solo instrument it doesn't really kind of lend itself to being part of an orchestra or an ensemble whereas the fender roads really you can play sort of all it's like the it's like organs as well you can play kind of like all the notes all at the same time and it still sounds mellifluous somehow um gas yeah, I mean, Fender Rhodes, what can you say? They're just one of the great instruments of all time uh, and stands shoulder to shoulder with the piano, I suppose. Maybe not quite, but, you know, it's really is its own thing, isn't it? You know, what was ostensibly meant to be, you know, an electric piano is, well, I, I guess an electric guitar and an acoustic guitar, you know, it's that sort of difference, isn't it? You know, they are really are such distinctly different and beautiful instruments i was fortunate enough to have a little 54 for a while you know and those things are great because they you know you can get them around a lot and, and in a way the 54 is really nice because it's that lovely mid area that that is just so suited to the to the roads you know just that really nice uh you know especially from an overdubbing point of view when you're looking for a roads just that real nice funky sort of middle sort of area um uh oh I'd love another one of them, actually. Uh, yeah, I'd like a I would like 54. one. I'd like, I've the got... 54s go for big money, though, don't they? They go for more money quite often than... They're quite of... rare, I'd imagine. I, haven't, I don't think of... Bigger ones, yeah. But, um, wow, you know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful instrument. I mean, what I love about the Fender Rhodes is, like the electric guitar is, you know, with an electric guitar, uh, you're making electricity, and with the Fender Rhodes, you're making electricity, aren't you? So, you know, so when you're when you're playing it, you know, I love the idea of electricity leaping from your fingers, you know, <laughs> like an electric guitar. And it's like that with the roads as well, you know. And I think that's why they're really cool when you put them through effects as well. It's just, you know, it's that combination of There's a, yeah. generating electricity. It's amazing. when the, the, uh, They're talking, I just got, I was watching this before the show and I got up to the point where they were talking about Joe Zawinul, who was kind of one of the early proponents of actually putting guitar effects and wah-wah pedals and things on the Fender Rhodes. And, uh, yeah, really interesting stuff. Well worth $8.95. Sorry, get uh, Rich. In particular, the Mutron biphase Ah. in Joe Zawinul's case. Right. Lovely. Joe Zawinul, of course, uh, and I'm looking back, you know, know, he started off working with... uh, um, various people and Miles Davis and Cannonball Adderley and, you know, and, and then Weather Report, which is kind of where I, I, uh, started to listen to what he did. And he, he's a really incredible keyboard player, very interesting stuff. Him and Wayne Shorter did some fantastic things together, but yeah, there was some chat in the, uh, in the chat room going on about, about, you know, what are the good emulations? And Dave, you were saying that, did you say Lounge Lizard? Is that AAS? Yeah, I used the Lounge Lizard, uh, is that modelled or sampled? That's modelled, isn't it? They do modelling stuff, don't they? Um, I mean, to be honest, I kind of got to this phase. It's funny. I, I, I thought, I want a piano. I want something, you know, that gives me this kind of feedback. And uh, that's when I ended up getting the world so because there was just this sort of moment where it was like, I don't know, you know, the roads, sometimes the roads sound, as much as I love it, sometimes it's a bit too kind of ubiquitous, isn't it? And I just wanted that kind of real grunt of the whirly, not that sweet. Yeah, that I know. I know what you mean. I think that's why I got a whirly because I've got an EP two hundred A just there. And that's fact. what I like about the lounge lizard thing. Although Rich was saying about the Scarby thing, and I've heard nothing but good about that. So I'd quite like to. I'd definitely like to check that out. That's a contact uh, sample based instrument, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, have you tried the AAS lounge lizard? Applied acoustic. Oh, no. um, yeah. Is that yeah, sample? Is it samples or, or with them on it? Ah, is it samples or modelled? It's modelled. Wow, that's impressive. It's very nice. It really is. It's a great product. It's and the f- they're nice people. It's the feel, isn't it, of having something that has all those moving parts in it that is, again, you know, down to the, um, and the it's physical funny, presence. You need those noises. Sorry, Nick. No, you just need those noises of of those moving parts, the damper pedal noises and stuff like that, because actually adding those, you know, to a kind of computer based composition really does give you the the vibe of something being. Yeah, it's a bit like you yeah. know when you put a vocalist and remove all the breath from their voice, it's like all the breathing. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's something too artificial about it. I need those noises in order for me to make a connection to it. 
and all that sort of mm-hmm. resonance that you get. I mean, that's the, the you know the, the the art of making good sample piano and model pianos is having all that string resonance and these sympathetic overtones and all of that kind of stuff. That's kind of interesting too. I think the way that that all has to be, you know, it, it's almost psychoacoustics, isn't it? It's the things that you don't notice that perhaps you'd want to clean up that make it more real sounding and more real. But, right. Whereas when you create a sample library, you have to go for the consistency because if you make it inconsistent in any way, that's all anybody focuses on. <laughs> you do a sample library and yeah, yeah the F sharp key uh, is a bit screwy. Sorry. Right. <laughs> on that you can't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I quite like the idea of that. You know, you can say, which key do you want broken? You know, that's, that, that's not bad. You know, it gives you a bit more really because certainly this one over here, um, there's quite a number of them. In fact, I had to, I, I found a place that I could buy new tines um, because if you buy them from the importer, they're really expensive. But you can get them sent over from uh, somewhere in uh, I forget in the, in the southern states. I forget where it is, and they sent me a few, and you've got to scrape a little bit of um, solder off them and what have you. And I, I just didn't get it right, but I, I would like to, I had this sort of idea that I'd have it at home and it would be a winter project for me to restore my whirly. Um, but, uh, I, I, I used I, to gig with a whirlitzer and that would be some level of hell to me. <laughs> Why? <clears throat> Cause it I used to break those tines all the time and I've filed way too many of them to count and tried to resurrect them. And, uh, I loved it. And I used to love the way I could make it bark through some guitar amp type stuff, but um, it's a pain in the ass to maintain. Yeah, I bought, yeah. I, I bought this from a, a local musician, um, Andy Davis, actually, who's a member of the Corgis and mm. also Tears for Fears. And Stackridge. Used to, yeah, Stackridge. And I think he played, he actually played with John Lennon, apparently. That was one of his other claim to fame when he was in. Um, a session guy but yeah i don't think this has i don't know what what the provenance of this piano is i should have asked him actually a bit more about it but i don't and i just sort of wanted a mechanical instrument i don't know why i hardly ever play it but it's a nice thing to have i think i played it when i was there yeah you know how (laughs) how how messed up it is then it doesn't take from the stackridge days sorry Sorry, Sorry. it doesn't date from the stackridge days though does it i have no idea that would be nicer, wouldn't it? It's pretty there's some, nice, there's, some, there's some nice whirly stuff on Stackridge, and some of the Stackridge stuff is amazing. Stackridge, I should mention, uh, like Bristol's contribution to the great prog canon of the 70s, you know, and quite an overlooked band in a way, but um, they, yeah, if you like that sort of thing, nice. Yeah. George Martin produced them on one thing, didn't he? Oh, really? But, I haven't talked to them about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, uh, what was it, uh, this man with a bowler hat or something. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, Stackridge, they're like Genesis. They're like a, like early Genesis, but they've got a really nice melodic and lovely, really nice. It sort of doesn't have a lot of the things that people don't like in Prague. Like, there's not a lot of twiddle with Stackridge. But, like, no solos. Yeah, and lots of songs, I'd imagine, because James Warren's... Uh fantastic songs there's some brilliant songs yeah but that would be cool wouldn't it if there was any history to that of that really to stackridge well i hope so maybe what do you think Uh, 20 grand on ebay if i get someone to paint it as well (laughs) (laughs) i might consider (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah maybe i could that's an interesting idea uh curly Mm -hmm. where west country yeah as as um fail muso says a west country contribution to prog Excellent. Uh, Curly Whirly was another title in the chat room. I think I might use that. I'm going to type that in the show document. Um, ooh, if I can just find it. Curly Whirly's aren't as thick as it used to be. Sorry? Sorry. Dave. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just saying, I did hear a really good description of the average Whirly's playing action, which was like corrugated iron, which I did think was actually a really good description because there's loads of them. I think there's more uh, moving parts in a Whirly than a Rhodes than uh, Sometimes I've sat down behind one and just kind of gone, oh, my God, it's just horrible. Yeah, I, I think you're right, actually. I think the, because it's a, a shallower, uh, a smaller instrument, I think there's quite a lot of kind of roundabout leverage and kind of counter business, whereas the the, whirly, uh, the, the roads looked from, from... In fact, you get to look at the action that, he dis, that, uh, that Harold uh, came up with, which he uh, designed when he was just bashing on the end of a fork, and the fork went up in the air, and it was like, oh... There's some great shots of the inner workings of it. Genius. But, uh, yeah, a great, uh, great one. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend uh, going over to um, FenderRoadStory.com 
And uh, yeah, as I say, the MP4 there, eight ninety five. You just get a download link and you get it straight away. It's a slow download, but um, very. Uh, or you can get the uh, Down the Road DVD for. Uh, 12 bucks or outside uh, or you can get the full color book and blu-ray experience which i think is about 45 bucks um but it, yeah it's a really good and well-made piece of uh, visual um, documentary of the subject i really recommend it uh, a blaze of curly whirlies oh the titles are coming thick and fast now the chat room know that there's a there's a title up for grabs look at that <laughs> That's a good one, Blaze of Curly Whirlies. I can. Uh, I always like to put fire in the uh, the 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 the, the uh, nightmare, some kind of jazz funk nightmare poster frame where there was a bass player with a lot of fire behind him. It was very popular and resulted in a lot of views. It's one of my uh, my deep joys for making the podcast is creating the uh, descriptive poster frame where I can. Mm. Although it just probably takes me far too long. <laughs> <laughs> Laser curly whirlies. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else we have time for? The Fender Road story was good. Uh, oh, Steve Vice home studio for sale. One point eight million. Seems bloody reasonable that actually for a studio and a place. Yeah, there we go. Rich is in. I think there's a video for that. Let me see if I can find it. I think I found a video. This was on YouTube. Okay, uh, there was a video, but clearly, go on then. Ah, there it is. This is, uh, I guess, Steve's dog Mike or Mikey. Little uh, lassie type. This was obviously during he's the period. No, I don't think he's selling his dog. Uh, this is when it was being made, so quite sad. I guess this was 2009, maybe. Uh, I remember seeing this oh, at the time. I think we no, might. No, this is his new studio. He's oh, selling his old ones. Hey, Andy. Are you sure about that? Oh well, okay then. But the news, the old studio, which is. Uh, hold on, I'm pretty sure. Let me see if I can find it. I've got a. a a picture of it here. Uh, there's the web, the webbery. Steve Vai's home and Hollywood home and studio. Uh, there's the studio down the bottom of the garden, and that's his house. Uh, that's his view. Looks pretty amazing. Uh, wow. It's, I must say the interior decoration is very pedestrian for a man who I would consider to be, you know, quite a creative sort of dude. But anyway, that's really neither here nor there. I can't... Uh, oh, that's the house. We're looking at the studio, aren't we? About the studio, that's what we want to look at. I'm showing you pictures of, <laughs> of his interior decoration. Uh, open house gallery options. Oh, the studio. That's what I want. Yeah, this looks nice. Looks like... I don't... It's not clear to me whether or not it's got the API, the API desk and, the, uh, and stuff in it or not. But uh, I remember when I was... I was a big Zappa fan when I was a kid. And uh, I remember Steve Vai had an album out called, um, which was like a, made with a, on a Lindrum. Uh, and it was really amazing. But 1.8 million for a Hollywood home with a studio in it. That sounds really quite reasonable. What's that? That's about 1.1 million quid, which, you know, you could buy like, you know, not all that much in London for that. Rich, you know anything about Steve Vai's? Have you been there? Have not been there ah. and don't know Steve, but he did grow up on Long Island, not far from where I did. Uh, He's younger than me. Um, and whether it's a good deal or not, I don't know, because I don't know what the house is worth without the studio and what the studio is worth, which is how you would go about buying something like that, is looking at what's the real estate worth without the studio and what does the studio add in value to it. Yeah, I, so guess I don't so. know the answer to any of that, but uh, it all looks very nice. It looked, I mean, to me, it just looked like $1.8 million for a recording studio in the Hollywood Hills with a view like that looks like it's probably a bargain, just in terms of what real estate costs. But I know nothing about these things. I've never been in the Hollywood Hills or to yeah, anyone who lives... You don't know how big the house is. You don't even know if it's 1,200 square feet or 2,500 square feet or 4,500 square feet. You don't know. That's true. It doesn't look that massive, I must say, but hey. So, Dave, you going to buy it? Take two. Take two of them. Why not? We're in the mood. We're in a spendy kind of mood. Hold on. If I could just find that buy it now button, I, so I could press the button and have the million dollars. Have the frisson of um, of nearly buying it. But it's almost. I, I was almost thinking. Wow. I mean, if I had a house that was worth that much, I, I'd you know be tempting to make the move. Although I did hear a, a terrible story. Um, some when I was in uh, in the local church. Uh, I'm not a church going person. It was my daughter's harvest festival. Um, which is the school is next to the church and I was watching it and there was a lady there telling me about some friends of hers who moved to America 
and started a landscaping business and moved their kids over there. And then every kind of six months, they'd go to Canada and get their tourist visas stamped again. And one time they went and um, they didn't get stamped and their kids were at were staying with some friends and they weren't allowed back in the country. So there you go. That's, But that seemed like... I was thinking, how could you be so goddamn irresponsible? But anyway, that's a completely separate story. Gaz, I can see you working in there. I can see that being your studio. Oh, yes, please. Uh, I mean, but surely, I mean, Steve Vai is such a legend. He's in the top 10 greatest American guitarists of all time, isn't he? So, I mean, that's going to give quite a lot of value surely like a hard rock cafe you think the provenance yeah that's why i thought it was that's why i thought it was so cheap really yeah strange hey yeah Hmm. there is actually a a, a track that accompanies the uh the sale and it's it's a sort of fairly standard blues thing but there's some great stuff it it really does Uh, dave (laughs) it's all right dave don't worry it's gonna be over soon there's some hold on he does some amazing playing at the end, which sort of demonstrates his more pyrotechnic kind of skill. So if you get a chance, go listen to that. It's called uh, com. which if you're going for a, a URL... That's a, Hendrix, that's a Hendrix jam he was playing right there. Ah, uh, okay. You can find that in the uh, Woodstock soundtrack, that piece. Right, okay. Thank you. Shame Jem's not here, because he was working with Steve Vai, wasn't he? He might have even been there. Wow. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's He's busy. Where's he gone? Dave's frozen. Oh, What's no, that one that was hip at the beginning? Sorry? Surfing the Alien or something. Uh, that's the only album I've ever heard that's of. Sat- Sat- that's Satriani, Joe Satriani. Oh, there you go. guitar faux pas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't you know your... Jesus. Yeah. Keep those shredders in line. Blimey, that's <laughs> ghastly. Uh, you know how many uh, letters of complaint I'm likely to get if that goes out? Oh, Best Steve Vai album is uh, the one he, when he plays on Dave Lee Roth, Eat Him and Smile. That's uh, with that Billy Sheehan on the bass. That's a really cool album. I think it still sounds great today, that one. Uh, yeah, Eat Him and Smile. Right, okay. uh, you worked with, work with Dave Lee Roth, didn't you, Rich? I believe. Yeah, I did. Wow. Dave Lee Roth. Wow, he's a hero. He's brilliant. But not with Steve. Ah. <laughs> ah. Well... If you have a spare 1.8 million, you can go over there and buy. In fact, I think there is a link to, uh, let me see, Open House. There's uh, Open House. I think uh, there's a, bizarrely, there's a, there's like a picture of the, um, uh, uh, hold on, let me see. Uh, there's a picture. You can just kind of contact the estate agent and um, <laughs> and that's it. Where is it? I'm looking for the, I can't, uh, contact. Here we go. There you go. There's a picture of, uh, there's your friendly estate agent. She will sell it to you. Uh, she's called Jane, and she'll take your one point eight million dollars. Um, and it's the it, rock chick real estate agent. The rock chick, yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> Did you check that picture out? It's definitely coming from rock chick. Thing, I think there is. Know, she like, looks quite familiar. She looks a little bit like uh, one of those Hollywood uh, stars. I oh, forget. she's lovely. Yeah, she's absolutely lovely. Don't get me wrong, but it's the funny thing about it's and Jane. It's Jane, please take no offense. I mean nothing badly, but. <laughs> It's rock chick. Uh, real if anyone girl. was going to sell Steve Vai's house, it should be her, shouldn't it? So right. It's it's right. it's a be- it has a beautiful symmetry to it. Uh, right. I think that's it for now. I'm going to uh, going to say goodbye to everybody because it's gone very smoothly, and I haven't spoken about the technology much this week. So I'm guessing we must be at parity, and it's all it's all great. So I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us and also of course to uh, Isotope for their sponsorship of the show. Don't forget isotope.com forward slash rx3. Uh, if you want to go and check it out, you get a 10 day free demo. I mean you know, what more can you ask? 10 days of free rx? Wow. Impossible to uh, to to pass up. So I want to say thank you very much to Rich Hilton over there in uh, sunny Connecticut. Um, as I said, a fast car waiting to take him to wax a hottie or probably take him to an airport to, to play some disco gigs, right? Actually, it's the uh, hybrid car in the garage waiting to take me to the studio, yeah. Ah, okay. With the recording studio in the boot. So you can hum your tunes on the way in. Let <laughs> yeah, me have my a, little fantasy. A, yeah, this is the recording studio in the boot. It's right here. It's a Zoom uh, H4N. Oh, I can, to- I can top that. Hey, look what I got. I've got an H6 here. Oh, Ooh. yours is bigger. <laughs> so I've been told. Uh, this is quite good, actually. You've got four, four, in- four combi inputs. 
apart from the fact you've got an enormous amount of wireage stuck in that. And apparently you can take six inputs at the same time, including the built-in mics. Is that right? Yeah, well, there's this thing that sticks on the top that you can put mics and... Um, uh, what are they called? An XLR. Kind of so, so you get six XLRs into it. It's not as snappy to use, uh, uh, as far as I could tell so far anyway, as the H4N. Um, the menu structure is different, and it's got an AMOLED display, which um, is a bit more sluggish. So anyway, but that's... But yes. More sluggish than this thing? Uh, yeah. This thing is a little uh, bit of a lollygagger to me. I'm not, I don't love that menu structure, and I wouldn't fight to defend it. So... <laughs> What's that? Yeah. I, well, I think it's a, I, I think it's a great piece nice. of kit. I must say, eight set of analog yeah, cool, Peter Forrest, fa- fabulous thing. Anyway, Rich, thank you very much I'll for joining us. And um, Gaz Williams over there in uh, Bristol, thank you very much for joining us too. Uh, very much appreciated. Yeah. And um, I, we'll speak. To, ooh, CME. Oh, CME. CME. Just uh, I mentioned it before, but when you play with one of these things with uh, Omnisphere. Omnisphere's got great polyphonic aftertouch support, but when you play uh, uh, with Omnisphere with a poly, it's a really so far that's the best application of the ah okay cool uh, XME polyphonic aftertouch keyboard with uh, it's it's great it's it's really good highly recommended excellent top tip there uh, and Dave Spears over there G4 Software who's thumbing Peter Forrest's excellent A to Z of analog synth is that A to M or M to Z? I don't know. I'm looking at, and there doesn't seem to be any mention of it in this book. So I, that's of what? Sorry, of a guitarist. So that's obviously why I don't know anything about <laughs> guitars because there's nothing about guitars in this v book. V for Vi. <laughs> yeah, you can see how well thumbed this is. <laughs> yeah. No, oh man, a... I tell you what. I'm so. I, I we used to sell those when we had a web store and. Uh, I I don't know. I used to have both copies, and now I've only got one, and then the, he's out of print. So I need to get the other oh. one back. It's like the Bible. Classic. You got classic. I can't Bible remember which sim. one I haven't got. It's either A to M or N, N to Z. I forget now. I forget which one oh, it is. Let me know. Let me know. Oh, thank you, well, Dave. May have. May have. Well, okay. Anyway, um, that was Sonic. I haven't Talk- got any, Dave. I haven't got any. <laughs> I haven't got loads. <laughs> well, I, I've got. I think I've got a few, a, a few still, but they're not the ones I need. If you see what I mean, because obviously, otherwise, I'd have them. Anyway, this is rapidly turning into a, a, a sort of spiral of um, <laughs> of not ending the show. So I want to say thank you very much, anyway, to everybody, including the chat room. You know who you are. Thank you for joining us, uh, Dave's comedian by night. Uh, Says synth beast. Anyway, um, and that's it for this week. Uh, I want to say. That's it. I'm going to fade to black now. And that was Sonic Talk number 334.